Hello and welcome to the Sunday Afternoon Podcast with Greg Reese. I am your host, Greg Reese. It is April 23rd, 2023. Uh, trigger warning, I am recovering from a very minor uh, under-the-weatherness, and so I have a cough. Uh, who knows, it might not show up for the next hour. It's not, uh, I'm, I'm on the, um, the healing side of it. And I don't know what it is. Uh, I would chalk it up as a seasonal, a seasonal cleansing. But other than that, how are y'all doing? Hope you guys are doing well. Hope you're doing really well. Hope you're keeping healthy and keeping happy and staying as strong as you can in the present moment. All right, I think I got the um, stuff out of my system about uh, the last uh, public broadcast I did about racism. I think I got that out of my system. Now that I did, I guess I can look back and just clearly see. I'm a little, you know, it's something I had to do. I felt like I had to do because, um, you know, I I think I said why. Because of my my opinions, that's all. It's because of my opinions. If we're to be honest about it, if we're to separate myself personally and speak on it objectively, because I had very strong opinions about these things, personal opinions that I've formed over 52 years of experiencing humanity on earth. And uh, I wanted to express them. And that, my friends, is why I support uh, freedom for everyone. That, my friends, is why I am a patriot to America. It's not my, my country right or wrong at all. And I've traveled all over the place. I was born one place. I grew up in another place. I've been, I could say I'm a citizen of the world. Some people may roll their eyes at that, but hey, I was born on planet Earth. I'm not really a political person. I don't have allegiances to ideologies or governments, except for this one. And the reason being is simply because of the elegance of the the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. Uh, It it created, for the first time ever in all of our our recorded history, it created a system of government that uh, technically gave the power to the individual and was built upon the sacred right that uh, that we all have to experience our own life. And so long as we don't tread on our neighbors and mess with their journey, then we should be able to live our journey. I love that. That's beautiful. Uh, so that's why I do what I do. That's why I am down uh, with the flag. Uh, that's why I have sworn an oath to the Constitution. That's why I will happily die defending the Constitution because it is... Super badass if you're into individual freedom. And everyone's got to be free. And that's why I um that's why I had to state my opinion. Cause once you start uh deciding that whole groups of people have to have to be aren't allowed to play, 
um, then you're as bad as the worst. That's really the only problem. The only problem is uh, a certain type of people that like to interfere with other people's journey. It's really that simple. You just make that. If you want to have laws, and I'm all for having laws. I'm, I'm a, not a, I, I might be a super libertarian in certain ways, but I'm not, uh, I, I am a realist, or at least I try to be. So I'm down with laws, but that's all you need is the law to not interfere with another person's journey, not to, tr- you, know, you can word it the best way you can. We kind of already have that law, right? You don't kill people, you don't steal from people, you don't rape people, you don't, you don't mess with anyone. That's really all you need. It's the only law you really need. And that um, that kind of leads me to the, the, the title here of fear. Because the only thing that, that um, catalyzes people to, to do that, to decide that they want to control other people and they want to have sway and power over other people's journey outside of uh, power and greed, which is the main ones. But I guess what I'm saying is what causes one of us, what causes one of us little uh, members of the, you know, one of us livestock, you know, livestock on the human farm, what causes one of us to want to get involved in that whole, you know, game of uh, of eradicating certain ones and and getting in and fearing you know organizing to interfere with the uh the the freedom for people to uh, you know play the game here like everyone else i would argue it's fear fear is what motivates people to do that that's the only explanation we all have it we all have the capacity to uh express it and feel it in that way it's completely normal it's predictable that's why it's used against us as the number one weapon, fear. And uh, today we're going to talk about that and why addressing that fear is the most fruitful, productive thing any single last human could do right now today to make the world a safer, better place for everyone. I'm going to put into the, uh, whatever you call it, the information below this podcast, I'm going to paste a snippet of a recent interview with Michael Sarian. I'm never sure exactly how to pronounce his name. I think it's Sarian, T-S-A-R-I-O-N. A lot of uh, a lot of you old timers out there remember uh, following Michael Sarian videos years ago. I know I do. I know that's where I learned a great deal about the occult nature of the world's elite. Uh, was through the lectures of Michael Sarian, and he's got some recent. At least they're they're well, they're recent, but um, 
I don't remember seeing him in a long time. So I don't know if he's come out doing interviews recently after not having done them for a while, or maybe I just haven't seen him on my radar until just recently. But it's a really good one. It's kind of what inspired today's, or it's totally what inspired today's podcast. And the name of the YouTube video is also Fear is the Mind Killer. Now, I'm not really, I can't really, you can't really accuse me of ripping it off completely because it's it's a ripoff uh, from Dune, at least from the David Lynch film version. I have read the book a couple times. Um, and in fact, it's one of the best books I've ever read. Frank Herbert's Dune. But, um, and I, I definitely think it's way better than the movie. I love the, the David Lynch movie, but I mean, the book is just great. I just don't remember if they use that phrase in there, fear is the mind killer. They definitely lecture and, and teach about fear in the book, but the catchy phrase, fear is the mind killer, I think might just be from the David Lynch movie. And I've been quoting it ever since I read that book as a young teenager. And it's definitely true. But Michael Sarian in this video here that I am going to paste into my... I'm going to do it now so I don't forget. Into today's uh, podcast. Let's see what it's called. That's just the information section. Anyways, moving on. Sorry about the uh, the lull there. <clears throat> but one of the things, the encouraging thing that he says, I think I might try to get an interview with him myself and talk to him about this because it was very encouraging to me. In the beginning of this short 15-minute video, he um, he says that the people who used to run the system that were good at it, that were sophisticated um, and able to run this system have all passed on. He says after around the 50s was when the, 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 the next generation took over. And uh, the next gen, and, and so the people running it now are, because it's all family. Most, most of the majority of the power at the very top of this is family, which makes sense because that's how you can, and that's where the pedophilia comes in is because it's more of about it's more about the abuse it's not a sexual perversion it is a way of turning a human being into your submissive soldier basically that's why there's lots of suicides in these families because a common reaction to that sort of sexual abuse is suicide <clears throat> so um so it, that's one of the, anyways, I digress, but that's one of the main reasons why it's in the family. And according to Sarian, he's saying that the, the, the generation that's now in charge uh, are just off their rockers and they're just, um, they, they are perverts. They've become uh, low IQ, inbred, crazy people that are, that don't know how to run the system. They don't have the intelligence or the sophistication that the, their, their older generation had and now they're just, uh, that's, and he says this is one of the reasons why they're behaving the way they're behaving. And he also says that part of it also is because there are more people awake right now seeing it and, 
and he says the reason the, the awakening is becoming greater is because these people are acting like buffoons because they are. So that, that was encouraging. That's kind of what I've been going on for a while of like hoping that that's the case. But then he gets sobering and realistic and he explains how it doesn't even really matter as long as they can keep you afraid. And uh, blackpilled, you know, keep you keep you in a state of despair and hopelessness where you just uh, you're convinced that there's nothing you can do and they're going to win. And uh, and then he even says that's the main thing they're doing with all these stories, everything that's going on right now. He says that's the one thing that they still have right. That's the one thing they still know how to do is to just uh, pump you full of fear and just keep you feeling like it's hopeless. Selling you on this idea of like a transhumanist future, pushing the reality of it, uh, all of this just to make you feel like there's absolutely nothing you can do. So. What does that mean if that's real? If that's true, what are you saying? I'm not going to get too into explaining why I agree with him. Um, but I think that that does seem to paint a fairly good picture of what's going on. Uh, there could be reasons behind it. I still think there are. I still think we are um, nearing a a time where the people at the highest levels of authority are expecting a major cataclysmic event, cataclysmic event, solar event. But that doesn't contradict, one doesn't contradict the other. We are at the end of an age and the beginning of another one, so it does make sense that everything is going to be sort of to its ultimate max. Everything is going to be sort of on the same level of craziness, including you and I. So that is the one thing that they still have right. They still know how to keep everyone afraid. It's the number one voodoo black magic spell they have in their kit. And he also makes a very interesting point in this video where he says... It doesn't matter how happy a person could seem. You could be strolling down the street whistling in a Prozac haze of happiness and still be mortally afraid. If I do get a chance to interview him, I think that's what I want to bring up and and go, go deeper with because I think what that suggests to me is the fear is causing the, the 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 intense immense fear of disparity and hopelessness sort of psychologically forces the person into putting all their faith and trust into the system then almost as if it's god because that's kind of how i uh, that's you you can easily argue that is the relationship to god that's why people say a fear of god or god fearing is because once you once you realize that your 
free will matters and that the decisions you make in life matter and that there are consequences for the choices that you make and that there is a God. Once you figure all these things out, then... um, Then there's a good reason to be humble before God, and there's a good reason to put all your faith in God, and there's a good reason to to, to practice love and, and acceptance and surrender. You know, it's kind of like the, the childish question that a lot of adults, atheists, a lot of adult atheists put out there is like, if there was a God, then why do bad things happen to good people? And that's just kind of stupid because that's not where we are. That's not earth. You know, you have to, uh, so you formulate this divine sense of faith and surrender to God as a result of the suffering and experiencing God's grace and the, and as a result of the humility that all that experience creates. And so I'm arguing that maybe that's what's happening with these people that have completely been blackpilled by the dark occultist voodoo creatures that are, you know, running the operation, the, the, the descendants, this, these family bloodlines, you know, that are running everything, that are instilling fear. And if they get you afraid enough and I would imagine this would only work on, I think, scientifically speaking, this would only work, or scientifically speaking, at least based on the theory that I just proposed, this would only work if you are an atheist or if you don't believe in God. In that event, if you get to a total point of fear and despair, then I could see how a person could then psychologically then fall into putting all their faith in, into the system and surrendering to the system, to the very system that they have... Uh, a mortal fear of, you know, I think that, I think there's a definitely a sound psychological argument for that. And I think that's what we're seeing by the people that are just going along. People are making the mistake in calling a lot of these people leftist or Democrat or liberal. Um, that really only works for like political people. And there aren't that many political people. Thank God. Majority of these people that are being referred to as leftist, liberal, or Democrat, these are just people who fall into this category that I'm talking about. People that are skipping down the street with a Prozac smile, whereas inside they have been stricken by so much fear that they of, of, of this, that they uh, just go put all their faith in it and go along with it and love it and defend it as if they all, they're all for it. Deep down inside, these people know everything that you're trying to tell them about how the government's trying to kill them. and all, they, they understand all that. But they also believe that there is no hope and there's nothing anyone can do. And so they then curl up at the feet of, of the predator, hoping that they will be spared by their submission and love. <laughs> Something like that. 
So that's the far extreme. That is the goal of these retarded inbred uh, world controllers. That is their last card, their only card, is the fear, the lie. Pushing the lie out to make people afraid. And constantly, just constantly pushing that, pushing that, pushing that. And while it might not cause all of us to take the black pill and put on the Prozac smile, it does have an effect on all of us, I think. I think it does. I think it's... I think it's um, foolish. It seems very foolish to try to claim that it doesn't. Unless, of course, you're you know completely off-grid and you don't pay attention to any of this stuff. Then, obviously, none of this has an effect on you. And I think, ultimately, that should be the goal. Not just, um, not just be off the grid and ignoring all this, but actively building something better. I will add that one thing in there. And then that, in my opinion, should be the goal. Now, this is obviously just one person's opinion. And I forgot to add earlier that the only real problem with individual freedom for everyone is that, yeah, you're going to find people that you can't stand and you're going to find, and, and, and maybe most people might even annoy you, you know, uh, it doesn't matter. It's a big enough place. You can stay away from them if you want to. Uh, there's, it's still the only way it works. Everyone or no one, no matter how annoying everyone else is, I get it. You know, anyways, so we're all affected. What does that mean? It means, well, I can speak for myself recently, um, Recently, uh, I've been really working hard at snapping out of it. Um, But I've confirmed, I feel confident now that I've confirmed that it's all in my head. That it was all a combination of being, I guess, burned out from work. And that's the reason I say that uh, with that tone is because I don't even know if I believe that. Because I do love my work. And... I have um, been successfully, you know, uh, balancing and managing myself to deal with my work. So, <clears throat> but there might be part of that. But I was concerned that maybe there was something wrong with me physically. I've been feeling very tired, more tired than usual. And I don't, I try not to nap. Maybe that's, maybe it's that simple, you know. Um, maybe I should nap more. I know that's supposedly healthy. Uh, occasionally I'll doze off when I'm resting, when I'm laying down trying to relax. But anyways, point I'm trying to make is I don't really trust doctors. So I haven't been a doctor in several, several years, but I did find, uh, through a friend, I found a doctor that I trust enough to go see. I went to see, I was very impressed. I, a very, uh, um, reasonable, cool doctor, you know, and these days I think we all understand how rare that might seem. But anyways, I got the blood work done and everything came back. What I found out is that I am, I'm fit as a fiddle. I'm, I'm even more fit than a person my age usually is. Uh, there's not one thing on my 
thing that that required any assistance. Not one. Um, there were some areas that I I feel compelled to brag about, which is interesting. So, um, what I found is that everything was in my head. What I found is that this whole uh, something wrong with me, this tiredness, it's just in my head. It's probably a result of the the uh, the enemy's constant barrage of fear and blackpilling and despair, just trying to get everyone convinced there is no hope. What is resistance is futile. You know that I think if it does not completely cripple you, I think it wear. I think it wears you down. At least I think that's what I think that might have been one of the things that, things that's been wearing me down. So, anyways, I am working on trying to overcome that. Now that I found out it's in my head, and I found out I'm dealing with a body that is uh, up to speed and, and up for the challenge. My goal now is to. Overcome, overcome the fear, because fear is the mind killer. So I guess we'll just spend the rest of uh, today's little uh, afternoon podcast chit-chatting about that, about um, what I'm doing and what I'm going to add to my schedule to do this. It is an area of expertise I have. I have done several podcasts in the past on similar subjects of of, uh, mind, body, spirit, health, that is what it's all about. It's one of the reasons why it's not taught. If we lived in a golden age, if we lived in an enlightened society, then um, you know children would be learning about this at very young age. They'd be learning about the, their mind and how their mind works and psychology. They would learn about how, how a lie is able to be perpetrated and how the ego works and they learned simple things like one of the wisest things a person could remember is that it's easier to be it's easier to be fooled than to admit that you've been fooled that is and I'm not maybe I am bragging I'm just stating a fact for what, and, and there there are several people that are in the same boat as this as well. But I, for one, do not have a problem uh, admitting that I've been fooled. It's I, I have no problem doing. I, 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 it's much easier for me to admit that I've been fooled than to continue on, you know, playing and pretending a lie is is real. Uh, it's just not in me. I am a truth junkie. <clears throat> but in the past few years, I have learned that the majority of the, of mankind absolutely fall into that category. And it's become clear to me that this is well and understood by the, the, the controllers and the manipulators. It's the main reason, it's the main method they use. This is why it's not taught. This is why we we don't live in a golden age. We live in the opposite. We live in an age of deceit and lies 
and uh, exploitation of others, slavery. So anyways, what you want to do, you don't want to, I, I said, okay, I said the goal would be to get off grid, get out and start building something new. I guess, I guess you don't want to, I guess I, I have to rephrase that. You don't want to ignore the enemy. You absolutely don't. You want to observe the enemy and learn what they're doing. First and foremost, if you have a survival instinct, if you care about your life and the life of your children and your children's children and on and on, then a number one priority in a situation like this is to observe the enemy and learn what they're doing. Avoid getting triggered and just observe and learn. I think it even helps to come to terms with your emotions towards the enemy. For example, a lot of people are very angry and are feeling strong emotions, hate towards this hidden, mysterious enemy. Now, I would argue against that 100%. Any any emotional, high emotional, personal level, level of perspective is going to be a problem for you and only for you. There, it will not be a problem for the ones that you hate. It will benefit them in every, in every instance. You can still support justice. You don't need hate. You don't, you don't need an emotion for justice. In fact, you can, you can go after justice with love. You can kill with love. I try to do it uh, every time I have to kill. If I have to kill a bug in my apartment, I uh, try to do it compassionately, and I try to. Um, and I also believe in the, you know, the possibility that the that some type of energy spirit is in that bug that is then released when I kill it. My, what do I know? Maybe, maybe not. And uh, either way, during the killing, I will show a little honor and respect, say a little prayer, show a little love, and even explain my uh, my my um, my reasoning why I did it. You know, I didn't want you uh, doing that in my place, <laughs> or whatever. You know, sometimes I feel extra merciful and I let them out. I just let them out in the wild when I can. Anyways, the point being is, yes, you could say that they're evil for manipulating and exploiting humanity and taking advantage of our egos and our lower minds to, to trap us into, into little shenanigans and tricks, in some, of, some of which... Straight up murder and genocide. <coughs> but you could shift your perspective and see it from a different way, and I recommend doing it. If you're, if you're feeling anger or hate towards an enemy, towards the enemy, I recommend shifting your perspective and looking at it from a different perspective. 
For example, um, if you were a, a chicken on a farm and you figured out what was happening to the other chickens that were taken away and never came back, and you, and, you under, and you somehow were able to figure out that they were being slaughtered like in a factory setting and packed tightly into these plastic bag containers and put into stores where people would go and buy them and eat them. Maybe if you visited a chicken wing restaurant. As a chicken, you would likely see this as evil. I'm sure you've heard a lot of people describe evil. If you reverse the word evil, it's live, live, live. And so evil is really the opposition of living. It's the death. It's like uh, the chicken farm is probably evil to the chicken who figures it out. Does that mean that it's evil overall? Does that mean if you back up to a certain 10,000-foot perspective that it's an evil thing? Or is it food production for another species? Is it a sort of a brutal aspect to the meat grinder known as physical life? In, in physical reality, there is nothing alive in this realm. As diverse as, you know, what is there, millions, billions, trillions of different creatures? All of them share one thing in common, and that is they, they have to kill and eat another living thing in order for that thing to survive. Doesn't matter if you're a vegan, when you drink a glass of water or even breathe in the air, there are a plethora of microscopic organisms that you can't see, but they are living things that you are killing and eating to survive. It's just the way it is here. I think once you get to the point, in fact, that's one of the important things a person needs to accept, in my opinion, is the the um, innate aspects of killing. You kill. If you don't kill in this realm, then you will die. A lot of us have become out of touch with that because we no longer kill our own food. We buy it somewhere else. And a lot of us have become out of touch with it because we identify only with the food that looks like us. Food with a face, (laughs) right? You might not want to call it food, but if it were not for mankind, most of these species, if not all of them, would not exist as they are. They, They would not be able to. They would be brought to extinction by other predators because they are not uh, bred to defend themselves in the wild. They are only bred to survive on a farm. Excuse me. So anyways, what's the point I'm trying to make? The point I'm trying to make is observe our enemy from... A non-personal perspective. Yes, they are killing us. And yes, we have to defend ourselves and protect ourselves from that. So we cannot ignore them. Like I said, we have to observe them and, and figure out what they're doing. 
and figure out as much as we can about them. And that's how we do it, by overcoming your emotional trigger part, overcoming the anger and the hate. And heck, <laughs> if you even want to get, uh, you know, ask for the, 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 the power of Christ and the strength of Christ to do so, you could even work towards sowing a sense of forgiveness for them in your heart. You can still um, eliminate an enemy and deal with an enemy and deal and exact justice. You can do all that with love and forgiveness. In fact, I think you're going to be more successful at doing it in that way. I think that's what makes the individual stronger and the the more individuals that there are that have that have that have developed that type of strength um the better we're just going to that's just that's where we're headed that's that's what this is all about anyways in my opinion in my opinion these inbred retards from these family bloodlines that created this system on a spiritual level they're they're kind of well I won't even say kind of. I'll say they're doing God's work. They are putting the rest of us in a position <clears throat> where the only way to really survive and thrive is to overcome this fear, to overcome not it's not just overcoming the fear, it's overcoming this level of mental uh thing, schism that we have. Humanity has a bit of a mental schism. We are superstitious. Some cultures are far more superstitious than others. But we are all superstitious. When you hear a Christian telling someone else they're going to hell, usually it's a superstitious reaction. It's a reaction based in superstition. That's the Western version, a very common version of the Western version. The Persians are extremely superstitious. And I'm not saying that to pick on them. I love the Persians, but that's just something I noticed is they are, their culture is very, very superstitious. And we are, uh, so humans are very superstitious. And this is something, uh, this is an emotional thing. That, that uh, a mental emotional schism that um, I think is worth overcoming. So... I think it's worth trying to do that, and I think, I think uh, the the beauty of the of of that is that once it becomes contagious enough, and once all of mankind overcomes these things, which I think is inevitable, then the um, the enemy is gone, because the 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 only way the enemy has been able to build this system, this whole system is based on that. The whole system is based on. <clears throat> on these methods of control, which are all based on our mental schisms, predictable, collective, psychological mental schisms of our low ego mind. We are, if you're, if you're smart enough and you don't even have to be that smart, but if you're smart enough, you could play along too. You could, uh, you could, you could do very well and be very successful manipulating and exploiting other people based on these simple principles of, of ego mind. I wouldn't recommend it, 
<laughs> I think that's pretty weak and gross and ugly, but, well, you know, I'm just making a point. So um, uh, one thing that's extremely beneficial, if not the most beneficial, is a death meditation. Unless you are already completely fearless of, about death. But that's rare. Some people say that the root of all fear is a fear of death. And I think there's a very strong argument for that. I, I, uh, I'm not going to get into the reasons why, but I am one of the fortunate ones who was born with a fair amount of fearlessness about death. It has to do with experiences that happened to me, traumatic experiences that happened to me as a child. And it happened to do with uh, losing my brother uh, when I was eight and he was an infant. It had, um, in my formative years, there was a bit about death and a lot of darkness, which just based on normal survival instinct stuff, uh, caused me to overcome that fear to a great extent. But when I was in my twenties and practicing different, uh, meditations and practices and modalities, learning how to do all the stuff we're talking about right now, I came across the, the death meditation tradition. And I um, practiced that for several weeks. <clears throat> the idea was just to clean up any of the remaining fears that might exist in my mind. And it's really simple. It's just exactly how it sounds. You basically, um, like I've said in the past, I think the majority of meditation is based about having no thought. <coughs> Excuse me. At least that's the goal, is to develop quietness of the mind to the where you can have complete focus on reality because you're not thinking about things. You'll be completely focused in the present moment. Uh, generally speaking, that is the goal of meditation. But there are other meditations that involve thinking, and this is one of them. You visualize your own death. Uh, traditionally, you just imagine, you just visualize the whole thing. You imagine yourself dying somehow, it doesn't matter how. And then you imagine um, the decom decomposition of your body, the rotting of the flesh, all the way down to your bones turning into powder and blowing away in the wind. And it's just that simple. Your main task is really just to focus on what happens to the body which kind of makes sense because it's the only thing we can visualize. We, it's the only thing that we really have experience to in the physical world is how the body dies. So you just visualize that over and over and over and over and over again until you have no emotions about it, until you're not like emotionally upset about it. I found I could do it from the first time I started doing it. I had no really pro big problems with it. Like I said, I kind of already dealt with this, I think. But I did it anyways. I found it, uh, it felt like it was beneficial. Um, I still do it from time to time. It's get, it gets easier when you get older. <laughs> you know what I mean? When you, when you get older, it, it almost becomes natural to imagine dying. You know? So I think it's healthy to do that. <coughs> as long as you do it in a way where you're, you're cultivating an acceptance of it. I think it's very important for a lot of reasons. I think one of the reasons these transhumanists 
who I don't think are at the top of the pyramid. I think they're being used. I think they're insane. Like the Kurz uh, wheels, right? He, um, when you hear his story, he is very open about why he's a transhumanist. It's because he's terrified of death. You know, he sees death as, as like the biggest, horrible, or most rotten thing in the world. And so he's built a life based on trying to avoid it and escape it. And that, my friends, that is insane. That's insane behavior. Um, I'm a big fan of the books of Robert Anton Wilson. Big fan of his books. A lot of people uh, don't, a lot of people accuse him of being an occultist, and I guess he kind of is. I guess I kind of am. I mean, if you're, I guess if you're interested in occult knowledge and um, even sacred geometry, then I guess technically that kind of makes you an occultist, I suppose. Or, I don't know, maybe being belonging in a group or an organization makes you one, in which case I'm not. But I think he was, because he was an open member of the Discord, Association of Discord or whatever, I can't remember what it's called. But anyways, I'm just rambling now. The reason I bring him up is because I'm a big fan of his work. And I remember later on finding out that he's a transhumanist. I think it was early on, because he writes about it in his books. Or at least uh, one of them. And I was very disappointed you know, I mean, that's good because I don't think, you know, it's not healthy to prop anyone up. We're all human. But I obviously propped him up because I was a big fan of his writing. And then when I found out he was a transhumanist, I was very disappointed because I, see, I saw it as a sign of weakness. I saw it as, oh, this guy who I thought was just super smart and great philosopher and funny turns out to be a, a frightful little coward, afraid of death, <laughs> you know? The one thing you can depend on in life and you're afraid of it. It doesn't make sense. If you're afraid of death, if you fear dying, it's because you're a human being. It's because that's extremely normal. It's also because I believe we are manipulated to be more afraid of it. That, that part of us that's natural and normal in us is, is constantly being tweaked and poked and stimulated in a way to try to get us to fear it more. <coughs> Because that is the ultimate point of fear. And that is why I think it's healthy to overcome it. To die already, you know, to go through a death. The, that, that is a, an esoteric thing that a lot of people have heard is to, to, to you know, you, you want to die. There's a, there's a more esoteric way of putting it. I can't remember right now, but like a, it's I, some people might say an ego death, but I don't think it's quite the ego death. It's something very liberating about it also. Because it's like, I'm already dead. You know? So I have nothing to lose. All that matters at this point is, is my free will and the choices I make and the mark I leave. That's all that really matters at this point. But by doing this, it's going to put you in a more healthy, balanced place to be. What also helps is proper diet. <clears throat> uh, what I found at this point, I'm fairly confident in 
telling you what I do in, in a way that I think this is, for most of us, I think this is beneficial. I'm the first to admit that we're all different and there is no one way for everyone. But it is interesting. I'm 52 years old and my entire lifetime, when you look at the, you know, the, the popular view and opinion on diet and what's healthy has constantly been changing. And I think we're getting close to figuring it out now. And what we're figuring out is that we had it right to begin with, <laughs> you know? A hundred years ago, we had it all figured out, and then all this crazy stuff happened. Rockefellers and, and petroleum-based food products and stuff like that. That's what happened. But we're all starting to figure that out now. We're starting to figure out that, oh, all this stuff that we grew up with was actually there to make us sick and unhealthy, you know? So it is kind of interesting and it is exciting, but most people are starting to figure it out. What I'm finding is the a ketogenic diet, definitely low-carb ketogenic diet, what I'm finding is definitely the way to go. Definitely for men... And um, I have heard there is a bit of a difference. Well, there are more benefits, I believe. And I don't even know that's true. So I don't even want to say that. What I've learned is that the body already naturally is on that. When given the choice, the body is always going to use fat as fuel. This is why we store fat reserves. Because this is how the body was built. The body stores the, the brown fat, the healthy fat reserves, because it knows that it might go through periods where it needs stored energy. And a human being can store a long weeks of energy in fat. And it can't not do that in carbs. It cannot do that with glucose. It cannot store that much. Can't, I think it can only store, it can't even store a day's worth. So it's already naturally set up to, to, to do a keto diet. The reason the keto diet, and this is, I, don't, this is well, I guess, one of the arguments as to why people seem to thrive so much on the keto diet is because now you're giving your body what it really wants. You're giving the brain ketones, which uh, d- makes the brain function better. And you're giving the body the fuel that it, that it operates off the best, which is fat. And it will naturally encourage a body to become more fit, and thereby more healthy, less uh, uh, a more lean, strong, healthy body, which is uh, going to encourage overall health. That is very important. The other important thing is where you're getting these foods on this keto diet. You want to make sure, especially these days, that you're getting good, clean food. Uh, you can, obviously, you can only do the best, but, you know. Um, there are certain foods I avoid completely because they are commonly... GMO and and you just can't quite be sure. 
Uh, but luckily, when you stick to a low-carb keto diet, a lot of the foods that are on that list are foods that are kind of off the GMO list, as far as we know, and commonly locally grown, things that are very commonly found in local markets. And the more you start researching, um, the less you even start caring about pesticides. You know, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying I don't care about pesticides. You don't want glyphosate. You don't want these. But, you know, basic common pesticides that aren't like cancer causing that are used, you, you start to care less about those and more about the, the bad ones and the GMOs and all that stuff. You do your best. Clean food, keto diet. If you want to step it up more, then do the intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting is powerful because and you could argue that's how the body was meant. The body was meant to eat just a brief part of the day because we weren't sitting around doing nothing but ordering products off of Amazon for thousands of years. You know, we, for a while, we were working hard throughout the day doing things that we had to do to survive. And then at a certain point, we'd eat. The main benefit to intermittent fasting is when you give your body a break from digesting, digesting food takes a lot of work. Your liver, primarily. A lot of, you're taxing your body. And when you eat a regular, you know, three meal a day diet that we've been raised to accept as normal, your body never really has a break except for when you're sleeping. And a lot of that time is going to be spent working on digesting because of all the time you've been eating throughout the day. It's going to be still catching up. But when you fast... You allow your body to do other things. And when your body isn't busy doing something it has to do, it's automatically going to go into a healing mode. That's the miracle. That's the beauty of this realm. We are in a beautiful, magical realm. If you give your body the nutrients to do so and the time to do so, it is just automatically going to start healing itself and making itself as good as it can possibly be. And we obviously play a role in that. If you want to do the intermittent fasting, the recommended window is 16 hours of not eating, 16 to 18 of not, of not eating, and then the rest of that time you can eat. And that gives your body 16 to 18 hours of, of not having to digest food, and in that time it will do some miraculous things. One of which is if you do this right, it'll put you in a state of autophagy, or autophagy is what I used to call it. And this is when your body basically starts eating proteins for fuel. And it, in a smart way, it somehow knows how to eat the, the weak toxic uh, proteins, the ones that you don't need as much. And, it, and so it, it kind of is a process of what some people call um, uh, youthful rejuvenation. Uh, sort of a reverse anti-aging thing. If you want to go in that direction and you want to push this even further, then do one meal a day intermittent fasting keto. That's where I'm at right now. I'm doing the one meal a day intermittent fasting keto. keto. So throughout the day, I drink coffee with butter in it, and that is enough um, 
bit of fat there to keep me going throughout the day where I don't feel that hungry. And it's also little enough where it doesn't, you're still in a fasting state. <clears throat> but the one meal a day just amplifies all these other things I've been talking about. It just makes it, it makes your, gives your body more time to heal. And it encourages your body more to burn fat and puts you closer to being in a state of autophagy where your body is now purging and cleansing old toxic proteins and leaving you a more youthful version of yourself. And I also think it hardens you a bit for uh, harder times at coming, which I think is going to psychologically and emotionally make the transition we're heading into smooth and seamless, allowing you all the focus and acuity and uh, third-party perspective that we need to surf through this crazy time so that you don't end up running into a cave like all the farm animals on on a chicken little, right? You don't end up falling into a trap. Uh, another way to harden that I'm about to add is cold showers. You know, I mentioned earlier that um, I got these blood tests because I was concerned about being tired sometimes. And then I realized that might have been in my head. I might be traumatized. So that's one of the things I'm doing to add to, the, to that, to address that is cold showers. At first I was, I spent a while looking into getting like a cold tub, but they're expensive and you kind of need space. So, but recently I came to the realize that, yeah, a cold shower will basically give you the same thing. I'm not looking forward to it, but I am. I've done a cold tub once. And what I learned is if you give, if you just go through it after for the first couple of minutes, it becomes comfortable. You adapt to it and it just becomes comfortable. And, uh, and the only, I mean, I'm sure if you cringed and, uh, and, and, and tensed your muscles the whole time, then you would never adapt to it. You would just, you know, hate it the whole time. You have to give into it. You have to surrender to it. You have to relax to it. So I look forward to doing that because that, as a result of doing that, it's just going to, I mean, for one, it's just going to harden you for the days where you have no choice but taking cold showers. But, uh, for the benefit, the real benefit of it is that apparently these cold showers are are very good for you physically, and uh, what I'm hoping is it's going to address some of this sloth tiredness I've been experiencing. It's going to help wake me up. I can see once I get over the the aversion to it. You know, there is a part of me that's like, oh, I don't want to do it. I don't want to take a cold shower. I really love hot showers. I'm not giving up hot showers. I'm just going to add a cold shower every day. But the advantage to getting used to it and learning to enjoy a cold shower, to me right now, it seems like, is that if I am feeling a little tired or lazy, I can just jump in and freeze myself a little bit, wake up. That would be incredible. That would be a great little tool to have in my toolkit. <clears throat> because... We are really in a conundrum. They've, they've, they've 
The one thing they also did that I think works in their favor, they're not complete bumbling idiots. Yes, they have the fear thing down. But the other thing they have down is they have this whole thing set up to where if we were to go off and try to revolt, it kind of works in their favor any way you look at it. Like, um, it's nothing's stopping them. Like, if you were to do that, you know, I, I can go off and picture in my head different ways that that could happen. And in all those instances, I don't see how it would work. In every instance I can imagine, pretty much, I see how they could easily uh, put it down, uh, put the everyone who survives it in jail, and paint the story to be a bunch of terrorist extremists, white supremacists, or whatever. And people will just say, okay, you know? The only way I see it working is like if we all unite and come together. No more fighting each other. If we just all unite and take to the streets in the millions and demand these people just get the hell out. I think there might be some hope there. But the thing is, you can't control anyone else. You only have control over yourself. You can try. Obviously, a lot of people are. That's what we're talking about. You can try to control other people. <coughs> All you're really going to achieve is um, you might achieve getting that person to play along with what you want them to do. But the only, the only uh, that, that's just them submitting and complying for whatever reason. That's all you're really accomplishing. You're not really changing that person. Although that is a desire of so many of us. So many of us, our egos are so convinced that we have it right and everyone else who contradicts our beliefs is are wrong. Many of the people who believe that are even willing to push it further and 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 push towards trying to convert everyone over to their belief. It's a very normal thing. I think it's more rare to find someone who believes in live and let live than it is to find someone who, who kind of wants to, you know, force their will upon everyone else in the world. It's a sickness. So you can't change other people, but what you do have power to do is change yourself. That's what you absolutely have power to do. And so why not... No better time than to make yourself uh, all that you can be. There's no better time to turn yourself into a, a master of the self. A master of your own body, spirit, and mind. A master of your own emotions. A master of your own mind to where you're not triggered or distracted or lost with hate or anger or, or any of that stuff. You, you're just able to be laser-focused at all times so that you're now, you're not going to, you're not going to fall for anything. You're not going to get stuck in a trap. In fact, once you get to a certain level of that, then in, in my experience, and I've heard it from several other people, I'm sure you have too. And I'm sure you've even experienced this yourself to certain degrees. Once you get to this level of objectiveness, you're, you're, you're no longer completely identifying with you, your body, 
you're now identifying more as this mysterious soul that is incarnating this body and having an experience as a human on earth. Once you kind of start seeing things from that perspective, like from an avatar perspective, then God or the universe or whatever you want to call this mysterious force that we are all a part of will respond. You will then, it's as if you will then start getting a nod. And you, it'll affirm this new perspective that you have and change the game for you. And now you're in a, you're in a position now where you could go to the dark side. You could begin, because now you have a greater understanding of how, of what's going on. And so it allows you to, you could choose the dark side and start uh, exploiting others and playing that game. Or you could realize ways of trying to remedy the situation, help others, serve others, serve good, become more Christian-like, more Christ-like, which in my opinion means nothing more than putting aside your own selfish desires and uh, putting out energy for others, for the sake of others. Then others, others... And that, and that, and to be specific, that means others other than your family as well, because your family is basically an extension of you. I'm not saying don't help your family, but you obviously help your family and yourself first, and then you go past that and you try to serve others in some way. Obviously, in a way that serves them, not in the way that we think serves them. That's where a lot of people screw up, in my opinion. I see a lot of people that think they are extremely beneficial to others because they're helping them. And all they're doing is they're helping them in a way that they think is helping them. You could argue Bill Gates is a perfect example. You could also argue that he's just lying to everyone. And you could also argue that he's a total psychopath. And he's probably not the best example of this because he's such an extreme. But there are definitely people out there that, um, that are selfishly serving their own ego and they don't even know it. They think... They are actually serving others. They think that they've overcome their ego and they are some type of saint. The world is full of them. (coughs) So we do have power to change ourselves. We absolutely have that power. We have the power to change our perspective. We don't have that power over anyone else. We might be able to help convince someone to change their own perspective, but it Only that person has the ability to change their own perspective. And if we have the power to change our own perspective, excuse me, and if we have the power to look at things differently than we did before and look at it from every possible angle, then we have the powers to change uh, our beliefs. We have the power to change the way we see the world. We have a power to, to change just about anything within ourselves to overcome all of our fears, to overcome all of our low-minded ego desires. I saw a recent documentary on Amazon. If you have any good documentary or film suggestions, feel free to throw them in the comments. There are so few things I can tolerate anymore because of the propaganda. It's so hard to find anything good and entertaining. And I do enjoy a good entertaining film at night. 
But I did see a good one last night. It's called The Life and Times of Mike DeGruy, D-E-G-R-U-Y. I think it's called Deep Sea Diving, The Life and Times of Mike DeGroy. Mike DeGroy is an interesting story. He was a deep sea diver in later in life, but he started off as, um, well, before he got into diving, like deep sea diving, he was on the diving board on the diving team in, in school when he was a young, I think, 12-year-old, 13-year-old. The story is, is that when he first was up there, he was terrified. He was afraid. He, he was frozen afraid on the board, and he hated it. And then um, his family describes a moment that flipped, where all of a sudden something inside of him flipped. He just overcame his fear and then started not just diving off the board, but exhibiting zero fear. He went from frozen in fear to completely facing that fear and just experimenting and trying fearlessly until he became uh, an expert diver. From there, he went into diving with scuba gear. From there, he went into deep sea diving. I have not gotten to his death yet. I don't know if he died diving. I have to finish the documentary tonight, but I would not be surprised if that's how he died. It seems like that's where it's leading. Anyways, you have to face your fear. This is one of the reasons I believe why we're having this experience. I believe one of the reasons, if we are here to learn, I'm sure that's one of them, learning to face your fear. So yeah, I guess that's it. Fear is the mind killer. And there are ways to overcome it. Uh, I mentioned the death meditation. Uh, the, the obvious thing is, is uh, if you are afraid of things, make a list of the things you're afraid of and meditate on those things. Face them. You can face them in your own imagination, in your own meditation. And that alone can, uh, gives us an, a possibility, a, a modality to overcome those fears. It might lead to making you realize that if you do something in your life, maybe if you, I don't know, sign up for a martial art class or or uh, handgun training for concealed carry, things like that maybe you might be inspired to do and realize that by learning these skills, uh, it makes you less afraid. That's just one example. That's a very simple example. It could even be, simp- it could even be a deep thing where you, in a meditation while visualizing perhaps your mind, your subconscious will give you a flash of some information that you were not consciously aware of before. Perhaps a hidden memory or something that all of a sudden explains to you exactly why you're afraid of that thing. And now you have this knowledge information in your conscious mind. That alone just seems to alleviate the fear. So anyways, that's it, folks. I love you guys all. I really do. Even though you're strangers and for all I know, you're creepy and annoying. (laughs) That's just my way of making a stupid joke. But I'm sure, I'm sure uh, the one thing I am sure of my experience all over the world is I don't think I've ever met anyone who didn't have a beautiful quality to them. There is something very beautiful 
about um, the soul of humanity. I don't know much, but I do know that. And uh, I wish you well. And I hope you have you been enjoying the kind of nothing going on in for like two weeks now. For like two weeks, it's just been like not great news, but good news. Nothing but good news. Nothing, you know, nothing earth shattering. But point being is there hasn't really been a lot of bad news for like two weeks. And um, I almost get the impression that's what we're looking at for this next week. But that's got to change eventually, right? I mean, in all this crazy, I mean, you know. I mean, uh, I'm not trying to be a fear monger. <laughs> All right, people. Uh, have a great Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your day, and I will see you next week.